the little numbers are going, so we are good too. Are they lowercase this time or uppercase? Hmm. Church in space. Welcome, everybody, to our newest episode of Church in Space. In 3D! We haven't done this in a while. I'm Dave. Hi, Dave. I'm Drew. Hi, Drew. And Dave. I'm Dan. Hey, we haven't introduced ourselves in a while. All right, our topic today is religion, because we never talk about religion on this podcast, ever. Would you say it's about church in space? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, no, but seriously, it is about religion and religious influence on characters in science fiction. Um, Drew gave you a door that was like I know, 50 yards wide. I, like, yeah. I know, but like, don't get me wrong. I love Catholic Space Empire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the idea I just love. That sounds like a great board yeah. game. Yeah, Catholic Space. There was actually a failed RPG. Like, all they had were the advertisement, but the advertisement looks sweet. But like, the advertisement is like, the Pope's battlecruisers are coming to bombard the Earth. I was, <laughs> I was like, yes. Okay. <laughs> Like sold. You notice how fast we got off topic on Never. today. It's amazing. We haven't no, didn't even okay. introduce the topic. We um, introduced ourselves. <laughs> no topic. All the way to the right. But there's a great comic that used to be out called Battle Pope. Don't get me wrong. I love Catholic Space Empire. Talk about that next week, I think. But hey, so what are we going to talk about today? Yeah. Well, Maybe. so I was reflecting on two things, two separate things. Um, and the first one was the Marvel Daredevil show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Where religion defines the character, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the real, like, aha moments for his character happen in confession. Like, literally. You know, like, the whole series is about his Catholicism, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about both how well that was done and also how rare that is in, like, modern television, right? And modern science fiction that... Yeah, you have Daredevil, which is this character that religion really governs who they are... But that's actually really rare, and that identity really doesn't stem from religion anymore. Uh, mm. And like character growth doesn't stem from religion. And often, most characters are just a religious, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And this came from watching, rewatching the first season of Stranger Things. And I was thinking about it's early to mid '80s that the show takes place. Realistically, like that whole family would be going to church mm-hmm. every Sunday, probably mm. you know at least twice a month, right? But there's no picture of that there's no there's no church in the town there's no church it's a small there's town. one mention of a pastor yeah. in the entire first season does he live there or is he like traveling it, no it's when Renona Ryder is freaking out in the show yeah. the first time and and somebody says to her well do you want to talk to the pastor and she goes oh he can't help <laughs> you know that's literally yeah. the only yeah. mention of like church in this whole thing right talking about religion and how it does and doesn't influence characters and where it's kind of receding people are almost a religious in a lot of fiction like what's tony stark's religious philosophy right well i can speak to that it's he is god well right (laughs) (laughs) but some of that has to do with the source because daredevil was written specifically about how he interacts with his priest I can't remember the female character's name, but when Bullseye kills her, it's in a church. Right, 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 right. And right. that's like one of the initial times that like he broke and mm-hmm. then went off and like killed a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It's great that they actually stuck to the source material. Mm-hmm. So when Bullseye killed Karen Prime, he had to deal with the fact of his sacred space was violated. Yeah. His, yes. his, the love yes. of his life died in his arms and he could do nothing to protect her. 
Well, like the final season, like of the television show. Uh, no, it's not. It, it's just season three. Season three. It, it's not okay. confirmed they're coming back. Yeah, so, they're so, com- that's true. That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen season three. Stop now. The whole yeah. final thing is him wrestling with how the church has harmed him mm-hmm. and like not harmed him at the same, you know, yeah. like yeah. it is very integral to that character. But it's interesting to me because like even in like the DC comics, like all their characters have like religious affiliation, like originally. Mm-hmm. I think Superman's a Methodist, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Like, <laughs> Batman's an Episcopalian because of course he is, you know. Like, well, you can't be gothic like Batman and not be Episcopalian yeah, or Catholic. Yeah, right. I mean, it's got to. Right. And be billionaire, you know. Yeah, he would yeah. be Episcopalian, you know. It's just interesting how the original source material is almost assumed this has to be a part of their identity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like even the alien from another world that has superpowers mm-hmm. has to have a denominational affiliation. And what's interesting about saying he's Methodist yeah. is that he is Jewish. If you want to get into the real world part yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Superman is definitely Jewish. He's created by two Jewish teenagers. From Cleveland. Right. From Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Right. At a time when the oppression of the Jews, if not outright attempts to exterminate, was starting to go up in Germany. Yes. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of Jewish oppression going on. And so he's written in reaction to that. And then his name is Cal L. Mm-hmm. Jewish from front to back. But then we get to him growing up in Smallville. But then, more recently, they have built up the whole religion of Krypton. Hmm. And so now you have Rao as the main god that all Kryptonians worship. And as Superman's been discovering his Kryptonian heritage, he goes away from Methodists Mm -hmm. and leans into Rao. The whole Superman arc. Right. From being Jewish to being Methodist to being Rowist. Yeah. Rowafarian. <laughs> Superman is steeped in religion. Right. Right. And yet, if you watch... Sorry, Rastafarian <laughs> Superman just went through my head. I thought I'd, I'd share that. <laughs> Nothing ever gets saved because <laughs> Superman is too busy being high. <laughs> okay, but that brings up another topic. Can Superman get high? Yes, they have special strain. They put kryptonite in the soil with the marijuana plant. So he could actually get high. As he tokes, it weakens his lungs so they can absorb the cannabis. Exactly. <laughs> this is when he went to college at some liberal arts school. How, uh, how much have you spent thinking about this? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you'd spent like, significant time. Like, no. <laughs> Anyway, getting back to the point. You're right, getting back to the point. You know, the other place that it shows up, which is, it's this throwaway line in the first Avengers movie, but it's the greatest line in the whole movie, is where Thor first comes and steals Loki, and they and Black Widow goes, they're basically gods, and Captain America says, there's only one god, ma'am, and he's not dressed like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, like, that's reflective of... Who Steve Rogers Who's was. Steve, when he was from, right? Yeah. Who he was, yeah. Like 1940s, like, yeah. of course, you yeah. know, that would be just who he is. But that's also yeah. what I'll call the cop-out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. is where they paint the Asgardians as just these super aliens. Right. Whereas in the comics, mm-hmm. they are gods. They yeah. are the Asgardian gods, the Norwegian right. gods. And in the comics, there are entire pantheons. I mean, there's this whole great... There's like the Olympians. Yeah. yeah. And there's this great story arc from several years ago in the Thor comics mm-hmm. of where there's a god killer and he's right. going around and destroying all the, all the different pantheons. Right. Um, yeah. Isn't that uh, the serpent? In the story arc, it wasn't the serpent. Oops. Oh, that was, a, that was a newer that yeah. was a newer one. Yeah, this okay. is a much newer Got Thor. It. This does not harken back to Norse mythology mm-hmm. in any stretch. Okay. 
but it's what bound all the pantheons together was suddenly this guy, this yeah. mortal yeah. is killing off all the gods. Killing off all the gods. But they are gods. And that's, right. there's this okay. big struggle between Iron Man and Thor at one stage of the comics too. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Thor is just wiping out Tony Stark and Stark, mm-hmm. because he thinks he is a god, as Drew mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. can't understand how Thor's whipping him so badly. Right. It's like he's a mm-hmm. god. You right, and that's like, what Thor tells him. It's yeah. like, I am a god, you foolish mortal. I've just yeah. been pulling my punches all these years. Right. Yeah. Also, Deadpool kills the universe. They- I didn't read about that. Yes. You didn't read those? No. Those were awesome. Oh, man, do I have some back reading to do. Yeah, so that's like mid-2000s. Like, come on, Dan. Oh, man. Man, hopefully it's in trade paperback form now so I can get it cheap. And that is like the, you know, you call it a cop out of the Marvel universe, the cinematic universe. And it is. And I think wrestling with how the theology influences the characters, clearly they do it on the TV shows. And that's a good point. What is it about movies, right? They're not afraid to have the religious aspects in the TV shows. Right. They're not afraid to have the religious aspects in the comic books. Right. But in the movies... We're talking about a very constrained amount of time. They can't do that storyline. That's why we're seeing a bunch of these comics go to TV, because you can tell these different stories, even within one episode. Within 48 minutes, you have three acts. Right. Within two and a half hours, you still have three acts. You can definitely get more storylines over multiple episodes than you can just one movie. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see what happens with Miss Marvel, because whenever that comes out, Camilla Khan is deeply Muslim. Yeah. And like when yeah. she's going through her powers, she's having like this, well, what does this mean as a Muslim to have these powers? Yeah. Yep. So that arc, hopefully they will do it, mm-hmm. but that's going to be a really interesting point to what her character is, how her family dynamics mm-hmm. actually happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I was genuinely interested in that comic for way too long. I wouldn't say way too long. It was, no, a, it mean, was a good spinoff. Yeah. No, I meant I didn't go to like Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Iron Man. Oh, gotcha. I spent too much time on that one comic. Yeah. Although, yes. Guardians of the Galaxy does bring up the next point in all this. Mm-hmm. What do you make of Celestials? And in that case, they do cross over into the MCU. Or Galactus. Yeah. Like in the comic books, like all these forces are like personified forces of nature, Mm -hmm. right? Like death is a personified force, right? It's actually a very pagan universe. Well, yeah, yeah. She does appear multiple times, yeah. Until we got monotheistic. Right. Mm -hmm. Isn't that essentially what gods were? Mm -hmm. Again, so this is where the comic book isn't afraid to wrestle with this. Like in the comic book, this is Thanos' motivation for the whole snap, right? Yeah. Like he's trying to pay a tribute to the person personification of death yeah mm-hmm. whom he loves who he loves yes. right and deadpool too like deadpool, deadpool is, right is who death loves right because he he can't die he can't. whereas thanos obviously wants death uh-huh. but never just gets it right he can't always get what but he here's wants. the thing to use a phrase simping after a girl and destroying the universe because of that is like a far more believable motivation than like the universe is running out of resources. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I know? must kill half the yes. population. Yes. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, like, that like, whole Green Lantern Corps, I don't know if, if you saw that. There was oh this my. whole sequence in the Green Lantern Corps uh-huh. where the universe was running out of spectral energy. Right. Yeah. Every time a Green Lantern used his willpower, the universe oh, was wow. drained of it. It's like, come on. And like Thanos is like Malthusian. There's only so much. It's like, guys... Please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like, I'm in love with this girl and I'll destroy half the universe for her. Like, teenagers do that all the time. You know, like, I. And that's one thing about the Infinity War that just didn't make sense. Like, Uh you 
could have put death in there. Yeah. And yeah. it would have made everything better. It where yeah. otherwise it's just, oh, I have this mad titan, which number one, you don't even talk about the titans. Right. You know, yeah. his brother is a major influence of why the Avengers defeat Thanos. He's yes. not there. Nebula doesn't do anything with the gauntlet, which is stupid. I'm getting on an Infinity War rant. I'm getting off. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it's a good it's rant a, yes. because it's a good rant because it gets back to without the religious aspect, death as this personified force it becomes very material, very technocratic and like not as good a story, you know, like as soon as you remove religion from the scope of the comics, it gets very technocratic. Well, and part of the problem too is then they attempted in doing that to make Mm -hmm. Thanos a more sympathetic villain. Mm -hmm. No, sometimes a villain is just bad, is just evil. Mm -hmm. You don't need a mug that says Thanos was right. You really don't. (laughs) Right, right. You really don't. He's a mad Titan. He's in love with death. And he's killing people for this irrational reason. Mm-hmm. That's great. Right. I mean, that's great as a storyteller. Right. Yeah, it's okay. great as a storyteller. I'm not making a value and- judgment. <laughs> Thanos 2024. <laughs> Thanos 2024. We should all be dust. <laughs> it's going to be my Ash Wednesday sermon. Yes. <laughs> you should just, just snap, just snap and snap. that's it. Everybody's dust. That beats the, the three minute... Or the what's the Easter? Oh, the, the ultimate. The, the, yeah, right. The, the pastoral the sermon of yeah. Saint John. Three minutes. Three yeah. minutes. Yes, yeah. just the snap. We're right. on Ash Wednesday. Right. Show the clip. We're good. Getting back on top. Getting back. Yeah, and the perverse thing actually is, is that in trying to make him more sympathetic by removing religion, I actually think they made him less sympathetic mm-hmm. because, like, I'm going to wage this crusade to exterminate half of every planet for this like Malthusian sense of like the resources are running out in the universe. It's like, please, (laughs) you know, that's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Like not only is it evil, it's just dumb, you know, like it's dumb evil. That's the worst kind of evil. Dumb evil. It it is. Evil you can kind of get behind. Yeah. Whereas with dumb evil, it's just like, come on, you can do better. (laughs) Right. Like, let me help you a bit. But... I'm in love with this person and I'm going to do all these awful things. Like that's a more sympathetic in the sense of like, again, like real people do that. I mean, look at Deadpool, like the first one, like I rewatched it the other day. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just have to interrupt because I like how you, as soon as he says, look at real people, they do that all the time. You say, yeah, look at Deadpool. Deadpool's real. Did you not know that, Dan? (laughs) I'm slowly backing out the door. (laughs) (laughs) He is the most accurate comic book character. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. No, but like there's an entire like three or four minutes where Deadpool is trying to find his girlfriend and like he's asking everyone where is Francis mm-hmm. and no one knows who Francis is because the guy whose name is Francis, his name is Ajax. <laughs> so he's going on this murder rampage mm-hmm. for a girl yeah. without asking the right question. Do you know where Ajax is? Yeah, Besides right. being on a shelf, <laughs> no one knows who Ajax is. But that's a lot more relatable to audiences than, mm-hmm. oh, hey, I'm just going to destroy everyone. Yeah. But that brings the point to why religion's been taken out is so it's more relatable to people. I get part of your point, but we are in a polyglot world and in a polyglot nation. In theory, we can all accept and appreciate whatever religion is being painted in whatever superhero's backstory. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with Superman being Jewish or Methodist or Rowist. Yeah. It adds an extra dimension. The key is, I'm always angry. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the point, though. I guess to your point, to my point, is just the acceptance of it. That's the problem of we're not all accepting of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Like, if we were, 
lots of problems would go away. It's a shame because there's a, there's an opportunity for a lot of interesting storylines that get missed. You know, yeah. like like but way back at the beginning, thinking about that first season of Stranger Things, like in a world where religion does play a part in that storyline, there's an interesting storyline to be had between Hopper and the town priest mm-hmm. trying to figure out something about Eleven yeah. <laughs> or like something like that. Like, you know, 11 going to Sunday school or something, you know. Yeah, like, but, I mean, yeah. but that's also a great opportunity for learning. Right. If more, you know, studios decide, hey, I'm actually going to stick with this topic mm-hmm. because the source material called for it. Yeah. Maybe people can learn about this instead right. of everyone just not learning about anything. They just know one very specific thing and nothing mm-hmm. can change about that thing. Yep. So I think if we've come to a conclusion... Maybe. Okay. I don't know if we should come to a conclusion yet. We don't okay. like that. The reason being, uh-huh. we've primarily talked about superheroes and comics. Yeah. But we haven't really taken the deep dive into sci-fi with this. It's Pastor's fault with Daredevil. Right. So. It's Pastor's fault. With yeah. Oh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight, too. Moon Knight has very deep religious... Yeah. Wasn't yeah. he one of his alter egos a priest? Is that right? I don't recall. I mean, I, I know Khonshu, the Egyptian god, is his patron. Because he has all those. Yeah, he has, he has all know, his alter egos that yeah. he flips through. And yeah. I don't remember now if one of them was a priest. I, for some reason, I thought one of them was. Might be. But he flip flops all the time because he has multiple. For those who don't know, Moon Knight, it's this character that has uh, multiple personality disorder and constantly goes through multiple different. Um, Nighthawk's another good one. Um, anyway, not the point. Uh, Moon Knight. Um, Welcome oh, to Stream of Consciousness Theater. Anyway, we're, to, you had a conclusion. To, well, Let's get back to, to science it. fiction, okay. I would say, <laughs> I would say there's two different impulses in science fiction, and okay. it's, it's, it's exemplified by the two biggest properties in science fiction, and that's Star Trek and Star Wars. Okay. So in Star Wars, it's expressly religious, right? Mm-hmm. In that you know the whole thing's based around the mystical force and these rival religious monkish orders that are dueling through time and. <laughs> Expressly religious in many ways. Yeah. You know, and then I would say in Star Trek, Star Trek exemplifies this problem because I have always wondered what does the chaplain do on the Starship Enterprise? <laughs> well, it's a good point because they have established there is a chapel on the on mm-hmm. starships. Right. And like they need a chaplaincy corps, obviously, or you'd think there our modern militaries have chaplaincy corps. Yeah. You know, like I'm thinking about the education. Like how many advanced degrees do you need? Because I mean to you be have the, the yeah. chaplain in the Starship yeah. Enterprise. Like you'd have to have yeah. like you have to have your MDiv and your masters yeah. in warp drive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 you can fold space time and pray at the same time. <laughs> you mean the starships aren't powered by prayer? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they are, and that's what you learn. <laughs> it's like Jordy doesn't actually do anything. It's you. You have to be praying all the time for this to work. <laughs> believe. Just believe in warp drive. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Yeah, it's like the orcs and the Warhammer 40K, right? Where like their technology only works because they believe it works. <laughs> Well, that's the reason why government works is because we believe it works. <laughs> right, you know, well, right. ultimately, isn't that true of reality? <laughs> right, yeah. Well, we have a shared reality. Who knows what real reality actually is? Well, but like a chaplain on the Enterprise yeah. is a great opportunity to investigate a lot of these themes, right? Like, what does the chaplain have to say about Q? Yeah. yeah. He's effectively omnipotent God who claims to be Jesus in one episode, right? Yep. <laughs> like, like, And yet, at the same time... He's clearly not. Yeah, the Q yeah. admit they aren't gods. Yeah. Yeah. You right. know, they're just 
hyper hyper right yeah there was a lot of missed opportunity yeah. there because like religion is it's just ignored by the time you get to next generation well it is and it isn't okay so you know you've got things like mm. like plato's stepchildren right where yeah. it turns out that the ancient greek gods were these aliens that had telekinetic yeah, powers right, right couple that with the next season who mourns for adonais where maybe the roman gods were real you know, because yeah, right. Apollo, the original the series is the exception to this, because there's also that episode where they're on the Roman planet. Yes. And, and, and her flat out says, right. They're talking about the, the son, son of God. God, you know, and like, oh, wow, that's interesting. There is actually an interesting moment where Kirk's like, well, should we stay and like relive this whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be kind of sweet. And I'll be like, yeah, it would be. Well, then you have <laughs> Kirk's great line from, was it Star Trek five? I think. When, does, what does God? Yeah, right, what does God need with a starship? Right. So the original series is, and those characters are the exception to this. Okay. I'm thinking like Next Generation and like DS9 and you know. Okay. Like. Okay. Well, there was the whole. Um, and now I'm blinking on what the religion was on DS9. Oh yeah, oh, the Bajoran religion. Yeah. Oh. Yes, but they they touched on that aspect of uh-huh. how well, that one specific religion worked in the Federation. Yeah. But, yeah, they never talk about last rites. How many characters die in that show exactly. without last rites, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What planet were they from? Like, what region of the planet were they from? Uh-huh. On your identification card, do you say what religion you are? Right. I'm sorry, I didn't think about this before, yeah. but you're right. That's a really good point because, you know, in the military, part of the point of a dog tag, it yeah. includes your religion. Right. Mm-hmm. So that no matter what religion the chaplain is who finds you, uh-huh. they can look at your dog tag and they give you your last rites or last blessings or last whatever mm-hmm. on your religion. And that's another thing I find very interesting about the real-life military uh-huh. is that if you want to be a chaplain in the real-life oh, military, yeah, you, you can't it. push your own religion. Right. It's true chaplaincy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to respect the religion of whoever it is you're counseling or yeah. right. ministering to. And that is great. That was yeah. when I grew up, the base chapel at Edwards, Air Force Base. Yeah. It was always kind of cool, and it always gave me a very different feel. I think it's mm-hmm. part of why I accept all religious belief, mm-hmm. because you go into the chapel, and there'd be a Star of David at the front. And then when those services were over, you pull a pulley, and then a Muslim crescent came up. And then when that gathering was done, you pulled a pulley, and a crucifix came up. And then after the mass was done, you pulled a pulley and a regular cross came up, and that's when they had the Protestants. Mm-hmm. You know, so the same building, right. and all that changed mm-hmm. was one symbol in the front of the building. Yeah, because it's a house of worship. It's not a church. Chaplaincy is a different animal than, like, ordained priesthood. You know, like, it just it absolutely is. But, again, that would be fundamentally interesting on a starship. I want to know, yeah. like, Discovery, do this. Like, yep. don't just have the counselors. I want to know what the, like, spiritual wrestling of, like, the crew is. I want to know what seminary is in space. I really want to know. I know! Some- I yeah. want to know what seminary is in space, too. Like, do they learn Greek still? Like, or does the universal translator just do it? You know? Yeah. Like... They would have to, right? I don't know. I mean, how would you read the Torah in Hebrew with a universal translator? Would you just turn it off or... Does the universal translator like get in the way of the service? Yes. Like somebody has it on and it's yes. like translating for them. Like, right? There's so many good storylines. Oh, and like Star Trek yes. misses, largely misses these things. Okay, so we are going to separate this episode into two parts. Number one is going to be the comic book section. Number two is going to be the Star Trek version and the Star yeah. Wars version. Yeah. Because, by the way, you're talking about Jedi throughout all of time. All I can think about now is time-traveling Jedis. (laughs) (laughs) And it took me so much self-control to not bring that up immediately. I want that to be stressed. 
but time traveling <laughs> Jedi's. This would be an awesome plot line for the the Obi Wan show. Is yeah. Obi Wan going through time like in Quantum Leap style, like through characters? But when your lightsaber yeah. fast enough, yeah. and you get just <laughs> the force. Right. That's how they. Um, that's how they eliminate the new trilogy. Is that there are time traveling Jedi's? Right. That's yep. how you eliminate it. Like mm-hmm. it was just. Oh, I'm sorry. That was just a branch timeline. I think it was a Ralfarian. Yeah. <laughs> induced dream you know <laughs> that brings up an interesting point though again about religion right because all the religions that we know mm-hmm. all the religions we've had on earth evolve over mm-hmm. time yeah you know none of them are the same they were as when they were founded right mm-hmm. so how come the jedi over almost eons not just millennia they don't really change. Well, the Sith do. I mean, isn't the this, Mandalorians? I actually think this is where the original or where the prequel trilogy was trying to do something interesting and almost did it. <laughs> I like almost. that. And almost did it. Well, because, <laughs> the story of George Lucas. Right. The story of George Lucas. Right. Almost did it. But like, I think that's the essence of the critique of the Jedi. There's that line in Episode Three where Anakin he says something, and then Obi Wan goes, "Only a Sith speaks in absolutes." And everybody always like pans that line because, of course, Obi-Wan's speaking in an absolute. Right. But like, it's so clumsily written that like you don't pick up on it. But actually, I think this is the essence of George Lucas's. He's critiquing his own religion that he's created in yeah. his own universe. Mm. You know, in, in that the problem the Jedi ran into is they ran into Anakin, and like their thing that hadn't changed couldn't adapt to fit Anakin. Mm-hmm. And so Anakin ends up going to the dark yeah, side. Why? Ah. Like, I'm trying to remember the lines from when Mace Windu is telling Anakin why he can't be a Jedi Master. Right, and he's like, because the Jedi Order selects its own Jedi, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, like you could have just bypassed this whole horseshit. <laughs> Pardon my French, but like, had you just made him a master, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. clearly he's more powerful than all of you. Yes. Like, I mean... <laughs> right, he wouldn't have gone Darth on us. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think to your point, yes, they haven't changed. And Lucas is trying to bring up that like that's what causes the whole mess mm. is that the the dogmatic I actually think they say that it's one of the characters says the dogmatic views of the Jedi. Palpatine says that. Palpatine's right actually there. Their kind of narrow orthodoxy yeah. strangleholds them into like forcing Anakin to be mm. what he be what he becomes. Plus like with the Clone Wars when the CIS and the Republic are trying to get these planets mm-hmm. to join their side, they're talking about the old Jedi ways and how they don't work anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they talk mm-hmm. about how the, the old Republic isn't here to help you anymore. Join right. this, join the CIS. Right. That aspect, they couldn't touch on that in the actual movies. That's why they did it in the Clone Wars. That makes sense. I mean, you think about, again, bring it back to reality. I think that's part of the reason we have so many problems in the the Roman Church, Roman Catholic Church. Mm. It's so married to past and tradition. It has so much trouble and takes so much time to evolve. And so you get this lack of response to sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. the lack of acknowledgement of the role of women in the church. The bureaucracy kind of slows everything down, right? And like similarly, the Jedi, like, again— it was almost interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. it could have been the strong parallel for real religions. Right. Mm-hmm. Although I, I have to be careful in saying real religions and because, you know, there's a huge contingent of people in Britain that yeah. say claim to be Jedi as their religion. I'm sorry. I'm dismissing them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. I find their lack of faith of the one true God disturbing. <laughs> it is disturbing. <laughs> 
Don't write us letters. <laughs> <laughs> or like in Futurama, where it's just the Church of Star Trek, where there's the where they have to like throw all the virgins in, into the volcano. Yes. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Futurama really should never come back because it was perfect the way it was. It really was. <laughs> why Firefly was good the way it was mm-hmm. is because they stopped it. When you keep going certain amount of years... I could have dealt with a f- at least one more season of Firefly, but I get your point. Mm-hmm. But but Futurama really, it can stay what it is because it's, it's fine. They never it, stuck with a storyline. Yeah. Like, they never really did. Right. And like, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Futurama was, was great. So I think we can end on those two conclusions, right? Futurama was great. Doesn't need to be changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you cowards who produce movies... Put religion back in the movies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or television shows. Or, or television shows. Right. right. It doesn't mean you're a proponent of the particular religion of the character, mm-hmm. but it fleshes out the right. character. It makes it more interesting. So far more, more relatable. So Disney, pay us. We will accept all your money. Yes. To consult on religion for the Marvel TV yeah. series. I, I brought this cheap. up before, but Lutherans colonizing planets would make a great TV show. Oh my God. It would. One final note, you remember one of the plot lines within, subplots within The Expanse, was that humongous... Yeah, that humongous ship was the Mormon mm-hmm. ship going to Tau Ceti. Yeah, right? yeah big yeah, Mormon yeah. colony ship. So that acknowledged religion. Well, books, that's part of what I liked right. about The Expanse, it acknowledged are, religion. There are other things, that properties that do it well. Yeah. You know, like the Dan Simmons novels, mm-hmm. the Hyperion novels by Dan Simmons, are all about religion like it's expressly mm-hmm. about the artificial intelligences are trying to build their own god yeah <laughs> you know and like it's a fight between the artificial intelligences god and the true god it's expressly that it can be done very well one final note before yeah. we cascade and just because yeah. this is as we're recording it it's mm-hmm. very current amazon is doing the lord of the rings prequel yes about the rise of sauron right the lord of the rings itself wait between the hobbit and Fellowship? No, before oh, Hobbit. Before oh, Hobbit. It's all about, okay. second all about the rise age. of Sauron. Second age. Second age. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I love how we can all say second age. We're like, oh yeah, I know where we oh, are. Oh, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, a, that's the problem. Is that, yes, actually. <laughs> this is history to us. Right. Yeah. Second age. Okay, I know exactly where we are. Lord of the Rings was, as Tolkien and yeah, C.S. Lewis right. readily acknowledge, you know, right. is, is the strong, strong allegory. Yeah, I think know? Tolkien would reject that it's an allegory because he didn't like allegory. I think he would, but influenced by yeah. religion. Yes, yes. Um, can the Amazon prequel series fill yeah. that need so that we mm. enter Lord of the Rings? Right. Especially since Sauron is Satan, and it's his understanding of how evil works in the world. You know, Mm. like, can they grasp that how evil and sin work in the world? Because that's really all that that Second Age is all about. It's about the temptation of Numenor and, Mm. you know, and like the desire and sin and how it infects kind of all these characters, Mm. you know, along the way. I'll bet I'm going to say they're going to take the Star Wars prequel cop out. You know, they're going to start us off with some young, innocent Sauron. He is wronged either in love or by an unjust loss of someone he loves, and this turns him evil. That would be really, his act to get vengeance that would be upon. Be so him. weird. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be some variant of that. That's a bold prediction, my friend, because it's so like it's, it's so, so non-Tolkien. It's, it's so non-Tolkien that like. But it is so today's Hollywood. Oh, God. <laughs> it should just open with a black screen with Andy Serkis saying, My precious. <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and then go into the actual story. Right, and then go to the actual story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. has got to narrate it, right? Because yeah. she's still alive, technically. <laughs> so, yes. You know, <laughs> she was there. Yeah. <laughs> and is, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> she was. Is it Vincent Hugo? Is that Elrond's? The, oh, the what's his name? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he's still alive. Hugo would, Weaving. We, yeah, Hugo Weaving. Weaving, yeah. okay. Yeah. Vince yeah, he's there Hugo. too. I mean, <laughs> I think you're thinking of Victor Hugo, the author of. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I make up names yeah. sometimes. <laughs> sometimes half of it sticks. Sometimes half of it doesn't. Yeah. But is he going to be in it? He almost has to be because he's there. Yeah. I mean, like all these characters are there. Do you think they'll do that computer graphic youngifying of him? You'd almost have to, right? It's been a while since those movies. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, Orlando Bloom was in The Hobbit. Right. And Elrond was in The Hobbit as well. Yeah. You would think. They'd almost need yeah, to... Yeah, how old is Elrond? Is he in the first age? No. He was born in Middle-earth. He and his brother are the sons of the guy who makes the trip over to get the gods to come back and defeat Morgoth. Erlendil. He's the guy who takes the Silmaril and goes across the sea and yeah. gets the... He's He and his brother, Elros. If you were twins, wouldn't you hate that? <laughs> <laughs> no, because then you could just play pranks on everyone. Know, right? <laughs> no, but that was the... El Ross. I'm El Ron. You're right. They're the sons of Erlendil, and they were born in Middle-earth, and they're half-elves, so they get to choose whether they're human or elf. Didn't know that you could choose between being... That specific family Ooh. gets the choice in Tolkien's universe, and descendants of Erlendil get a option so elrond chose to be elvish elros chose to be human and he elros is the ancestor of aragorn right and that, yeah. that's why aragorn's line even though they're human they have exceptionally long, long lifespans yeah. right well and also all the humans who helped the elves fight morgoth get blessed with long life oh, i didn't remember that yeah mm. as part of okay that's part of what the gods did Tolkien says something like they'd suffered enough, basically. <laughs> you know, yeah. the gods kind of felt sorry for him because they'd the three houses of men, they're called. They'd, they'd fought when everybody else fought for Morgoth. They'd fought against them and they'd suffered greatly for it. So they, they gave them Numenor and then blessed the whole race with long life as a reward for doing all that. And then they screw it up in the end and stuff like that. All right, our game, because we haven't done our game yet. Favorite alien species. What in all science fiction properties is your favorite alien species? And I will start. So mine is the Q in Star Trek. Because I love the idea that evolution eventually leads you toward being omnipotent Lokis. <laughs> like the, the evolutionary moral arc mm. of the universe bends toward omnipotent troublemaker. <laughs> that is the only path evolution can lead you down. Well, I mean, realistically, it would keep godhood from being boring. Yeah. Yes, you know? it would. Every Q episode is a joy. You that, know? Yeah, they are. And we owe a lot of that to John DeLancey. Yeah. Yes. His John portrayal mm -hmm. is just perfect. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. But even like like the ones in Voyager where they go to the continuum. Yeah. The, the whole thing is just a joy. Because often these omnipotent races, they're so serious. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like you meet or, these Q and like every one of them is like, boy, are they not burdened with glorious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Wasn't an episode of uh, Lower Decks where uh, Mariner. Mariner, yeah. yeah. When Q shows up, Mariner says, like, go away, go away. We don't have time for you, Q. Yeah. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like he actually does You're go right. away. It's like, fine. fine. I'll just, I'll go see John Luke and mess his day up again. Right, right. <laughs> It is so original because it's it's not omnipotent seriousness, but it's just omnipotence toward troublemaking. Mm -hmm. 
let's make this omnipotent, all-powerful species like completely annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like deathly annoying. They might kill you, but they're really annoying. But the fact that whoever it was had the concept from the very first episode know, of Next right? Gen. They knew what they were doing with yeah, this. Yeah, they did. So that transitions into my favorite race, uh-huh. people that don't know what they're doing and somehow get away with it, mm. the Packlids. Oh, see, oh. we don't have to. I, I do. Mm, the okay. Packlids are also. See, Star okay. Trek's. We don't have to be in Star Trek properties here, but oh, you know. Okay, like, that's my favorite alien species. Uh-huh. Humans is my favorite species because they're so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? <laughs> in almost all science fiction, we don't touch the thing we're not supposed to touch. We don't go to the planet that we're really not supposed to go to. We do it anyway because uh, we're humans and we think we can do yeah, it. Yeah. Which is why the lower decks is great because I have the crown. I am King Packlid now. <laughs> like that, that whole hierarchy is just like who holds the, the crown. crown. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry to all you people who don't like lower decks. I don't know what's wrong with you because yeah. like it is the greatest. It joy. is. It is. <laughs> oh my gosh! Between the humor itself, right? The smart, snappy writing, right? And it's just an infinite layer upon layer of easter eggs right. yes oh, that's great like <gasps> the packlet that was not spying but i want to see your warp engines <laughs> and then admits he's spying and then goes instead of going to the bathroom goes down an airlock yeah. this is why the packlets are my favorite <laughs> race. they are they are and again absolutely original again it's phenomenal in universe rules right mm-hmm. like, yeah the federation has this rule of the prime directive they have it because it'll produce these bad consequences. Let's create a race where clearly the prime directive has been violated and show you the consequence. <laughs> well, the Packlets did. Well, but that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, here's why the Federation has this. You know, it's, yeah. it's great. Like, it's how Asimov got whole stories out of his own three laws of robotics that he invented. You can do great story writing if you stick to your own in-universe rules. Oh, what are the consequences if we give a race that's not really ready for technology? Technology, you know, well, we, you produce the packlids. <laughs> <laughs> well, humans and then packlids. Yeah. But right. why doesn't anyone else do packlids? I thought of this like in any universe, mm-hmm. no one chooses the packlids as like any race that is not that smart technologically gets this technology and is able to take over. Yeah. Why don't more people do that? I feel like that'd be a great pitch to someone. Star Trek's always kind of been willing to lean into zaniness occasionally, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. not fully zany, but like tongue in cheek zany, Yeah, you know, like Star Trek's always been willing to do that. So you have Q, you have the Luke Packlids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Any, yes. any of her episodes, it's just like. Right. Any Loxana Troy episode is, let's just lean into the zany. It, it's why Lower Decks works actually. because. They've always had that tone tucked away in a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lower Decks just brings it out and to the Lower fore. And Lower Decks is just like, oh, actually, the whole Federation is like this de- underneath. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> just you people only see the cream of the crop. But pokes fun at Trek's tropes, too. Yeah, right. How come all the bridge crew always come back to life? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they have a whole episode about that. Yeah, right. Like, right. why is it that the Enterprise somehow run into this big problem every single yeah. week? Yeah, right. Boimler. Yes. Boimler actually talks about, I don't know, why would you want to go on the Enterprise? They get in trouble every single week. Yes, <laughs> I didn't want to be on the Titan because they get in trouble every, every single week. week. <laughs> I also love the clone Boimler. Like, I want to have, like, a lower decks, but just about the clone of Boimler. <laughs> the episode where Riker has an evil, yep. evil twist. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. even that's a little, like, tongue-in-cheek zany. But that's the whole point of the clone, the, the transporter yeah, of Boimler. But, right, yeah. like, or even the the mirror universe. It's it, it's a little 
little tongue in cheek the whole episode, right? That original like yeah, the mirror universe. First. Like it's a little tongue in cheek. You can tell they're evil because everybody has goatees. Like really, <laughs> goatees. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the women all wear midriffs. Right. You know, you know and it's it's like. And like the episode ends on like Spock making a joke about how, well, it was easy to tell because barbarians can't impersonate civilized people. <laughs> or look at the episode where there's a virus on the Enterprise and like everyone is just wants to have sex so yeah, much. Yeah, the Psy 2000 yes. virus that's in both. Yes. They, they have to do that joke twice. It's yes. in yes. both Next yes. Generation and like. Yes. And classic. Yeah. yeah. The only time that data gets laid. Yeah. <laughs> like, why didn't they talk about that more? Right. <laughs> like, how is this virus that's affecting humans and aliens? Is affecting an android right yeah so all that's just a little yeah you know like that zaniness yeah. is there in trek and i think to lean into a race like the pack lids you've got to be willing to lean into your zaniness like star wars is always too burdened by glorious purpose to yeah. like quite be that zany the television show gets it with the droids yeah well i mean r2d2 is just swearing the entire time yeah, right. R2 <laughs> no, like like think about it. That's why like, he's beeped out yeah. constantly. Yes, yeah. and that's why how dare you, R2? You can't say that. <laughs> but I mean, like right. for whatever reason, Star Wars is always about the lore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. Star Trek is just for lack of a better term, it's just monster of the week. Right. Yes. You can do a whole lot more zaniness because you're monster of the week. Because than, you're monster of the weeking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be able to put your theory to the test when Strange New Worlds kicks in in May. Yeah. Because that will return to the whole Monster of the Week concept. Right. And I think you will so. see a little bit more of a zany, like, Monster of the Week kind of yeah. thing. You know. And they're kind of setting it up that way. Yeah. Because they're, they're setting up in the short treks. Mm-hmm. They've set up that Spock isn't fully disciplined yeah. with mm-hmm. his emotional control yet, which is good because it explains right, the Spock you... we see in the pilot episode, The right. Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's number one a human who finishes Spock's refinement into Vulcan hmm. logic. Interesting. You know that's going to have some comic oh, yeah. playing out in the series. So yeah. getting back onto topic, so Dan, Dan, what's your species? And if it's Star Trek, it's okay. Right. We would prefer something that wasn't. I'll go with the wasn't because I was going to say Vulcans. So you picked Vulcan, but your second choice. My second choice of my favorite species is my favorite Martian. I like the Martians as Uncle Martin is depicted on the old 60s sitcom, (laughs) My Favorite Martian. They're like this hybrid of Q and Vulcans all in one, even Time Lords to a a sense. Logical troublemakers. Yeah. (laughs) And I would say it's in the same way that Spock is often accused of. Uh It comes across less as logical and higher level thinking Mm -hmm. as aloofness. (laughs) Right. It's always McCoy's. Yeah. Uncle Martin plays that well. Yeah. I just, I really like it. That's a deep cut. I like that. That's a deep, I like that. So I went with two races. Dan went, went with two races. What's your... Non Star Trek, my non Star Trek, my non Star Trek favorite race. Can I be honest with you? No, I, please. No, why? no, we have never been honest, I, in, on I, this podcast. especially as a pastor. Yes. We, we never expect the truth from you. I love the concept. <laughs> I love the concept of the huts. You know, really? yeah, that there's this intergalactic group of mobster slugs <laughs> yes. that, like, that like run a whole like galaxy. Yes. <laughs> Again, like my brain is just like, who thought of that? Like who thought of like, not just like that, that there's one, but like there's a whole hut, like they're the hut, that there's a yes. hut empire. And like, yeah, there's a like, mother hut. So like the whole concept, both in the comic, in the, the Clone Wars series and like in the original wasn't that the whole point of the, the Clone Wars movie was the baby hut? 
Yeah. Well, and you see hints of like that there's this wider hut, you know, yeah. that like yeah. Jabba the Hut presides at the pod race, you know, mm-hmm. and like it is truly alien, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, here's a species of slugs that have decided to engage in mobster activity, yeah. you know? Not only that, they have their own language and everyone else has to speak it. Yeah. Yeah. They right. don't speak yeah. standard. Yeah, yeah. They don't speak standard. Everyone right. else has to speak some form of Huttese. Yeah. Right. Like, because they're that powerful. Right. Like everyone on Tatooine, everyone on Nalhada speaks Hutties. Right. Number one, what other family could do that? Right. It's a family that does that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Hang the universal translator. We don't need it. Okay. Like our about Zero's mom speaks with a Louisiana Cajun accent. Right. Yeah, and, you know? like, and they just like lean into that <laughs> yes. in the Clone Wars series. Like the whole character of Zero is patently absurd. Yeah. But like I love it at the same time. <laughs> yes. You know? Like. How, like, the the whole Hut families are, like, actually, like, the five. They just look like you took Don Corleone yes. and, like, yes. translated them into slugs, you know? Like, like we are just going to lean into this yep. as far as we can yeah. go. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just love it. But that you know? got me ever since the original trilogy. I've always wondered, just from the power dynamics of mm-hmm. actual biology, mm-hmm. how could slow-moving slugs become a dominant top-of-the-food-chain species? I would like think slavery, specifically. But well, how would they enslave? like evolutionary. Oh, like, you're talking evolutionary? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, how would they enslave, right? Any species they'd want to enslave would be able to run away from them. And then they get so huge, they can't even leave their barges. Their edifices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, you would think it, it would have to start out real small on on Nal Hutta, whereas then one hut somehow bribes some guard to, you know, yeah. start the slavery section. Because that's And the rest just takes off from them. Exactly. Then it's the power of money. Yeah. 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 I mean, right. that's the only way that the huts survive is on slavery. Yeah. That's why, you know... I'm sure it started, like, in terms of, like, how they built their power base, I'm sure it started as, like, they were traders, smugglers. Mm-hmm. And actually, yeah. this is where the language thing actually kind of makes sense in that real crime families are born out of tight-knit immigrant groups. Mm-hmm. in foreign places, yeah. right? So, like, they're they're effectively a tight-knit immigrant group, right? They don't speak galactic standard. They're mm-hmm. foreign in every possible way in a human-dominated galaxy. Like, they're a tight-knit immigrant group. That From there, it's just being willing to use force to get your way. As opposed to the force. Yeah, mm-hmm. right, right. Mm. How they're immune to the force, that's another little category. Yeah, you yeah know, that's right, that, like, yeah, that, that like, there's some type of evolutionary thing, too. Right, they're immune. Like, there's just all sorts of little details about the huts that I find fascinating. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, like, they're immune to Jedi tricks. And what's fascinating is how incidental that is, right? Yeah. Because in Lucas's original concept, in fact, when they were filming the first movie, uh-huh. yeah. Jabba was a humanoid. Yeah, yeah, right. They had to retro everything for Jabba to be... Right. An enormous slug. Right. In the revisions, Han steps on him, because why? Because <laughs> why do we need to do that? <laughs> Lucas was never happy. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> One more tweet, then it'll be perfect. All right, folks. This has been Church in Space. In 3D! We're getting perfect at this. See you next week. Dan, mm-hmm? I forgot what I was supposed to bring this week. Do you remember what it was? Did you bring this price or did you have to drop it at Imperial Cruisers inspected you? Well, you try, <laughs> you try to avoid being boarded by them. <laughs>